It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You know, there's concern about just our overall, uh, you know, operation uh, with regards to just the way that we've played specific to the offense the last couple weeks. Starts with me. Got to do a better job. Uh, We've all got to do better. and, And, you know, the only thing I know how to do, Bill, is go back to work, look inwardly, uh, and then let's make sure that we're coaching guys hard. They're receptive to it, but we're all accountable for this, and we're all responsible for the results we've gotten the last couple weeks. Touchdown, Los Angeles. You are Locked On Rams, your daily Los Angeles Rams podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Rams Nation, what's happening, what's good? It's your boy Bear Motter of Rams Podcast, but this is Locked On Rams. <sighs> Just had to let that out real quick. Uh, the Rams lose the game 30-23 to to the Philadelphia Eagles. I got my man James Kroger, per usual, to break it down. James, how you doing, bud? Not good, Bear. Uh, it was a stressful game, and you know it was an emotional roller coaster, and my heart hurts, and my uh, stomach is a little achy. But I'm I'm happy to jump right away on the mic with you, and thanks again for having me on. And I'm stoked to talk about this game because there's plenty to talk about. But you know, to answer your question, not doing so hot. Yeah, the clock maybe hit zeros for about 10 seconds, and I got a "Let's roll" instant reactions text from you, <laughs> and I was like. I was like, instantly I was like, it was like another gut punch. Like, oh, I got to go talk about this. And like, ugh. yeah, victory Monday, no mas. And uh, so here we are jumping on, talking about it. And man, let's just kick into it. What we're going to do is we're going to talk about uh, the offense, the defense. We're going to do game balls, play action balls. I wonder if there's a surprise there. Uh, and then kind of just look and see how we can use this moving forward. So right out the gate, I'm looking at stats here. And I've got Jared Goff, 35 for 54 and right away i don't even need to know the rest 54 throws unless we're playing the chiefs or something and we're got 40 points i don't want to see that he went for 339 yards two interceptions no touchdowns todd Gurley, 12 carries he had 10 in the first half if i'm not misspoken here 12 carries 48 yards he did have two touchdowns both kind of just punch-ins he did Chip in with 10 catches. Couldn't get out of bounds at the end, which was a little frustrating. 76 mm-hmm. yards. Same with Everett, though. But, yeah, I mean, talking about our offense, what I mean, what kind of bums you out? Oh, dude, everything. Like, sometimes it's like, who are these people? In the beginning of the game, you know, we had that one touchdown drive that we had. We just – that was the one drive that we just looked really fluid and everything was going strong. We were yeah. feeding Gurley. Gurley was going out for receptions. Goff was opening up a bit. He had a couple balls to Woods. He had two in a row to Cooks on that drive. And we knocked it in for a Gurley touchdown and just everything looked great. But it was kind of like that drive looks great. But besides that, there were so many issues throughout the game. Goff – you know, I really think he just lost his mojo. There was overthrows, underthrows. He just he was rushing back there. He just didn't have the calmness and the confidence. He wasn't relaxed back there. But of course, you think about the amount of time he received in the first half um, back there. Of course, he's he's going to try to hurry himself up a bit. But the O line tended to help hold people a little bit longer in the second half. Yet Goff still was kind of on his toes. He was moving his feet a lot uh, more than he really should have been. And you know, even though he had 339 yards, you said it, zero touchdowns and two interceptions. Goff was just 
not his usual self and he hasn't been his usual self for a while. I saw a stat that had to do with Cooper Cup being out, basically saying that ever since Cooper Cup been out, one, our third down conversion rate has massively dropped. Mm. And two, Goff just hasn't been himself. And that third down conversion rate is huge here because, you know, Previously in the season when Cooper Cup was still active, it was above 40%, I think. And now it's dropped uh, below around 30% or so. So I maybe have to be corrected on that stat. But, dude, overall, this this offense just isn't the offense that we've typically seen. We were, before this game, third in the league for average points per game. And obviously last year we were or number one in the league for average points per game. It just at home, man just yeah. didn't seem as exciting. We didn't have any big plays. We had the biggest play, I think, was in the first or second quarter with Todd Gurley with 21 yards uh, run. But besides that, the huge down-the-field plays, their secondary just held us strong, dude. We just couldn't get anything going down the field and just wasn't a team that we've been used to seeing. Yeah, you're spot on there with a lot of those things that you just mentioned. And then I'll just throw in some – I mean, you talked about the offensive line giving him some time near, near the end, which they did, but – a couple penalties again from that O-line, and Sullivan was getting driven back right into the quarterback, and I think that's what kind of shook Goff at the beginning. He he had that first drive, that beautiful drive that we had, I think, on our second possession to go down and get points. And like you said, the best drive of the game. And then ever since then, he started getting a little pressure, taking some hits, and he just didn't look comfortable. I mean, you mentioned it. The last couple games, it's, you know, it's almost like I think of this as a racehorse that got out of the gate right away and, and took this huge lead. And then as we're starting to get to the finish, that horse is getting tired right now and people are starting to catch up. And, you know, we got the Eagles coming in to our home and putting a whooping on us for a while. I mean, really, if you look at this, we had a shot to win the game, last play of the game, and we really, in a weird way, didn't deserve that. You know, we didn't play that well to have that opportunity. But our defense was able to get us one more uh, chance at having the ball, and they missed the field goal. But JoJo Natson with that dropped, it was just, I mean, it was so deflating at at the end is just how, you know, we got to that point. But this offense is, you're right, not recognizable at this point. Yeah, and just talking about getting worn out at the end and and you know uh, not keeping stride. Well, the biggest issue with this Rams offense specifically is depth. We lack depth everywhere. We see on the offensive line, uh, you know, two rookies. Of course, when Todd Gurley was in and out of the game, he left with a knee injury. He was sitting on the bench for a while. Uh, we saw him standing with his helmet back on, but he still wasn't in. Eventually, he came back into the game, but his knee was bothering him uh, again at the end. We saw Justin Davis exit the game with a shoulder injury. We have no backup now uh, with the with the running backs. And then Cooper Cup, you know, like I said, Josh Reynolds, you, you threw up a pretty cool stat from Lockdown Rams in the beginning of the first half of the game about Josh Reynolds and just basically showed that he was uh, only had one reception. I think you said for nine targets. So he is not a replacement for Cooper Cup. And we know that Cooper Cup is a favorite of Goff's and he helps build that chemistry and open everything up for everybody else. Also, Todd Gurley is the one who helps open everything up for for the rest of this offense. So those two just, you know, weren't there this game. And, you know, back to Cup, Josh Reynolds is not a replacement for him. And Jared Goff just kind of seems like he doesn't have stuff together without Cup in the the equation. Yeah, Reynolds, you know, kind of had a better second half. But you're right. At one point, he was leading the team in targets in the first half and had one catch for like six yards. It was uh, pretty ugly. He had a couple... Uh, chances where actually the first 
Goff interception. I think really Josh Reynolds has got to go get that ball. Maybe it's thrown a little bit behind him, but he had time to adjust, and you got to yeah. attack the ball. And it kind of went right through his hands uh, into yeah. the defender's hands. So, uh, James, we're just getting out here and rolling. What we're going to do is we're going to step aside real quick, take a break, get some word from some sponsors. We're going to be back. We're going to talk about the defense, maybe try to find some good here, and maybe just unload a little bit more because there was a lot to kind of take away from this game that went back and forth and gave us a shot to win at the end. But – just not enough. 30-23 Rams. We'll be right back after this Monday edition Lockdown Rams. The suns rise in Orlando, but their playoff hopes set in the West. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. Despite finishing a perfect 8-0 in the NBA bubble, the Phoenix Suns are leaving without a playoff berth. Check out Locked On Suns today for a postmortem on an amazing run by Devin Booker and company. That's all thanks to tiebreakers and a Karis LeVert jumper that rimmed out, giving the Portland Trailblazers a win and a meeting with the Memphis Grizzlies in a play-in series for the Western Conference 8th seed. That begins on Saturday. Beginning today, all of the Locked On NBA playoff teams will be previewing the playoffs with special crossover shows. Scout your team and your opponent on the Locked On Podcast Network. Local experts on the biggest stories, it's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Vinny Iyer, host of Locked On Fantasy Football with your Locked On Fantasy Football Edge of the Day. Tight end is a prime position for finding fantasy football sleeper value in 2020. After George Kittle and Travis Kelsey go off the board early, don't worry. You can wait and still get some great return for a starter at the position. The two prime targets both have HH for initials, the Chargers Hunter Henry and the Falcons Hayden Hurst. A healthy Henry can have a monster downfield receiving season for new QB Tyrod Taylor and carries high TD upside. As for Hurst, he's stepping right into the productive spot vacated by Austin Hooper in Atlanta as key support to Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, and Calvin Ridley. Trust in Henry a little earlier and Hurst a little later to give you some pleasing tight end one results. Get the edge in your fantasy football league every day by listening to Locked On Fantasy Football on your preferred podcast provider. All right, Rams Nation, we are back. Second segment, James Kroger from Rams Podcast. Guys, we're actually going to do this all over again tomorrow for Rams Podcast and do about an hour version. And maybe at this point we'll have time to hear some press conference stuff and maybe kind of let this sink in a little bit. But right now, instant reaction, like we said at the beginning of the show, uh, we're about 10 minutes past the game right now and we're in talking it. So, uh, James, we'll come back to the offense, I'm sure. We're going to kind of kick this around for a while, but might as well start this segment on the defense side of the ball and talk to me about kind of what you saw out there and what you felt with this defense in a weird way, giving us a couple opportunities to win this game, but yet not too strong. So talk to me about it. Uh, dude, first, I'll start with the the secondary and the issues there because we saw Tlaib getting burnt, wasn't even looking at the player behind him who jumped up and got the ball, I think, in the second quarter. We saw Marcus Peters multiple times uh, not being on his guy. Of course, you know, Peters, yeah, I saw a couple key tackles he did have in the fourth quarter. Um, you know, he, he, he stopped the guy in the backfield. He was there. But I think fundamentally these guys, you know, are missing two big things. One, that's just wrapping up and, and getting the tackling down. And two, just 
not letting any man behind you. We saw that big play that we were tweeting that I was tweeting from Rams podcast about and, and you followed up as well. But uh, it looked like a punt because oh, uh, both Jeffries and Aguilar were way back there. There was nobody covering them. And Nick Foles was getting hit on the play and he just tossed it up in the air. It was a great play by them. And they basically scored on the next play after that. And it's just like we that, – that was one of the pieces that helped us really fall apart. And also – uh, if we take it up to the defensive line, the Eagles somehow managed to figure out a plan to keep AD out of Nick Foles' face for the most part. Uh, Sue, you know, he, I believe, had a pretty strong sack on him as well. But, you know, the, they, they held this defense. And, dude, I mean, I don't know what your thoughts. I'd love to hear your thoughts on, on this D, but I was pretty disappointed in the secondary specifically. Yeah, the secondary had its moments, and it's crazy. I think that's that's what's crazy about this whole team as far as the Rams. Our defense is going to kind of – Give up points, give up yards, but they're going to make some plays. They're going to hold tight. They're going to bend but not break in the red zone occasionally to kind of give us a shot like that field goal attempt at the end. And the Tlaib interception makes a big play. Um, He was struggling early. And you look at Alshon Jeffrey's line, eight catches, 160 yards, uh, no touchdowns. But that yard's right there. And if you had him in your fantasy team, there you go. And James, I know you're happy at least that. You got your fantasy uh, win, it sounds like, uh, in the books. I lost to my brother and my cousin. So this was just an overall bad Sunday, man. I was uh, ready for a Rams win. But back to the defense, um, you know, that was disappointing in the secondary. You're right. Uh, they did, you know, come up and create some turnovers. And John Johnson was a highlight. You tweeted him out earlier, probably yes. the best player in our secondary. And you're right. He just missed a couple interceptions, but he was flying around. He was knocking the ball out of uh, receivers and tight ends' hands. He was coming up to make plays. I really love his style that he plays, so he was kind of a bright spot there. But um, yep. altogether, one other thing that they did really well is they held him on, on third down pretty well. They were Eagles were 4 of 13 on third down. So, again, that's kind of the style. They're going to give up points. They're going to give up yards, uh, but they're going to make their plays. And, and some of those come on third down in a weird way for how ugly – uh, Jared Goff was playing at certain points, and just the offense couldn't get production as far as points going. Uh, they they kept us in it at the end. But, yeah, there's definitely some things. Tlaib did not look good uh, until his interception late in the game. And then the, mm-hmm. on the ground, uh, we give up 111 yards. And really, if the Eagles wanted more, they probably could have gone for 150, 175. They just had balance in what they did. I think they had about nine first downs through the air, seven on the ground. And that's the way you kind of want – to play football. So they did a great job. And then just going back to it, we, we kind of talked about this leading up to it. Uh, but Nick Foles, man, I mean, it's just the Nick Foles effect out here. He went 24, <laughs> 31, 270, uh, you know, nothing crazy flashy, but he moved the football and, and set him up, had a couple really big throws, was taking hits and, and people are figuring out how to stop AD. He just put two or three guys on him. And, you know, I think the next couple games that we have are against the Niners and the Cardinals. So I think AD is going to get back, to a couple big games because the level of play is just going to be different. But, man, people are just putting – saying, you know what, anybody else beat us. And right now no one else is really stepping up to beat them on the D-line. And then as we're kind of breaking this down, I mean, might as well jump into it. Special teams. Uh, You know, we know where this is going to end up. But JoJo Natson, even before the fumble, uh, was not having a good game. He had another punt that he caught with inside the 10 – tried to loop out and loop back around. And I actually tweeted out and said, not his best return of the year, but thankfully he just went down and didn't do anything dumb. And then I was able to retweet that and just say, <laughs> dumb. Like, awkward. now he did it. Like, But so not a good game from him. Another really good game from Johnny Hecker. We mentioned him earlier, but uh, he put a couple booms out there. Greg Zerline went three for three 
41 yard long, 11 points. Uh, so he was kind of there when needed. Uh, Johnny Hecker, I mentioned, his long was 65. And then there's JoJo. And, you know, we can save some of this for the next segment, but just about this special teams. I mean, it, it just sucks and it's deflating at that point. And it's a three phase football game. And this, this very much proved that. Yeah, so I think we should talk about two things with the special teams. One, I want to know how you feel about Johnny Hecker's uh, fake and his pass. It was a little low, mm-hmm. and you know the thoughts from McVeigh on that because that was super risky with McVeigh because if they would have missed, you know, like they did, it was a key play because it gave the Eagles prime field position. And then I want to have a little debate on on JoJo uh, at the end there. So Bear, I mean the Johnny Hecker throw. I, I like how ballsy and risky it was at home. I wish he would have just had a better throw and they would have completed that. It was super close. I thought he had it at the beginning, but man, it was just, uh, and this is a game of inches, man. Yeah, good question, James. And you know what? I mean, I love it. When he did it, it was like, weirdly, they're not surprised to me anymore. So I don't know how they're not surprised to anybody else. It was actually covered really well. You're right, Hecker threw it a little low, but a solid throw again for a punter. And then the catch by Kadero Hodge, him coming back to the ball. It's kind of one of those, put it where your guy can catch it. Yeah, maybe it was probably a little low, but it kind of worked out to that. And it, it should have been caught. I mean, it goes right through Hodge. I mean, he comes back, kind of sits to catch it. Yeah. It goes just a little bit through his hands. I mean, if he if he just snags it right there, that's, that's a first down. We're moving the chains. Maybe Goff gets another chance to kind of open up the game like they did near the end, and he was able to kind of like – get that hurry up in rhythm offense. And I think that's when Jared started to really play a little bit better and deliver the ball. But you mentioned earlier, I mean, as we get back to this is he was still really inaccurate throughout the game. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, I like the call and it didn't work out and it almost didn't really kill us either. I mean, it could have been an even bigger turning point, but uh, at the same time, you're down, you got to do something. I think it was like mid fourth quarter. I'll have to go back and look at that. But at that point, still a little bit of time to play with, go for it. There's the chance of the fake right there. And if they're set up to get a return, you know, it should have worked. Yeah, I like the idea of going for it. And it's kind of like it gives you a little bit kind of a disappointment to think that this was a team that you'd want them to go for it towards the beginning of the season when you just thought we were on point and we just had that flow going. And but we didn't we weren't in flow state this game and we were still continuing to be off so i like being risky there it unfortunately gave the eagles great position uh late in the game which was key for them and it was a big loss but i like the ballsy move and it was just within inches so you know i can't complain about that call of all things because who would have thought that we would have had that chance towards the end of the game to even tie it so both times actually both times but i want to ask you about leading into that because Jojo Natson, man, I thought he should have just called a, a fair catch there. Nobody even really hit him on that. He just lost the ball. Yeah. I just thought he should have played it safe, called the fair catch. I would have been way more happy with the ball there than uh, getting a turnover. So, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, a fair, I mean, you look back now and you're like, fair catch it. Yeah, it makes sense. But at the same time, he popped by that first guy, and he actually had a little bit of space if he didn't just drop, just straight drop it. Didn't get hit, didn't get uh, bumps, just kind of moves it a little bit and it pops out of his hand. Uh, you know, I mean, ball security is probably one of the number one things that they're teaching returners, catch the ball, carry the ball, get the ball back for us. And he did, I mean, just careless, uh, just a dumb mistake and an unfortunate for him. They showed him on the sidelines and some players around him kind of trying to cheer him up. But yeah, bummer, big time bummer. And, and uh, yeah, I wish you fair caught it. I guess if you want to go back and just make up a scenario, but I think he could have pulled off 15 yards and put us in great position to start that last drive with a little bit of time. So, oh man, how the game would have been different, but it wasn't. So we carry on. We lost the game. 
We're 11 and three, and we just have to swallow that and move on. But if we play like this in the playoffs, again, it was kind of eerie of that Atlanta game feeling of just kind of that deflating at home. It has to do also with a, a you know, a muff punt. It's like, oh God, here we go again. Uh, but we're <laughs> going to get some more of this because James, I got another question to start the next segment that I think you'll like that kind of goes into that McVeigh mind to kind of pick your brain on what might have happened in this game. But we're going to step aside, get a couple words from some sponsors. We'll be right back. James Kroger, Bear Modern, Lockdown Rams Monday, right after this. All right, Rams Nation, back third and final segment. I'm being joined by James Kroger, the man, the myth, the Kroger. You can find him on Twitter at jkroger3, at Rams Podcast. And then while we're doing this, uh, at LA underscore Rambling Bear, at Lockdown Rams. Tweet at us. Let me know what you guys thought. I'm sure the Facebook group is blowing up right now. In fact, it's been so instant reaction. I haven't even checked that out, so I'm curious to see a lot of the anger that's coming through there and who other people are giving away their play-action balls to. But give us a follow. But as we move this show along, James, I mentioned I kind of teased a question on the other side, and I want to ask you because I was sitting here, and I'm thinking, man, they're coming down when they had like a minute left and they're moving the ball, and we got to talk about that a little bit. But these guys got to get out of bounds. I mean, you got the clock winding no timeouts, under a minute, and there was twice. I think it was mm-hmm. Everett that kind of tried to get a couple more yards, and then Todd Gurley, <laughs> the, really what left us with only one play, uh, you know, he kept the clock moving and set us up to kind of really have to rush things. So I've uh, got to improve on that. And Todd Gurley's one of those guys that watches football and you watch on his social media. He kind of talks about people making mental errors and playing smart football, so he's better than that. But let's say the Rams go down, put points up on the board. There's, like, no time left, maybe eight seconds if you know that happens, or maybe the last play of the game. Do you think they go out there like the Chargers and throw up the two <laughs> fingers and go for the two-point conversion? Oh, dude, I love the bear question, and I'm, I'm glad you brought up – well, I got to do a bear answer here. Yeah, bring because it. Because I want to – I want to address, and maybe we'll, we're going to dig deep into this from Rams Podcast tomorrow night, but I want to talk about our lack of ability to get out of bounds at the end of the game. And you talked about Everett and Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley specifically on that last play, he looked like he could have – he, you know, he he tried to get that extra step to get that first down, but I think he still could have gotten towards the out of bounds at that point. And Everett didn't even try. Yeah, yeah. You know, I was I was happy with it because I started. I have him on oh, the fantasy here we team, go. and here we go. not gonna brag, but I'm in the uh, semifinal championship, so it looks like I'm going to the championship game for a lot of money next week. Oh, Everything's yeah. looking good. <laughs> so thank you, Everett, at the end of the game. But dude, it was so obnoxious and stressful to watch that at home. Me and my wife are sitting there on the couch. like She was freaking out about Everett's inability. She's like, get out of bounds. What about all this time? And yeah, I was like, like Great. That's the thing is everyone's thinking that, right? And they and he, something, you know, get caught up in the moment. Yep, 100%. And also, you know, with Everett, he's still, you know, second year in. It's like this is the type of things that he has to learn by watching film. And as you spend more time in the NFL, you're going to learn that you need to get out of bounds. He's, you know, not not looking down on him too much about it. It was very frustrating. But at the same time, he's very young. Todd Gurley, on the other hand, is has a yeah. high football 
too, and just wasn't really expecting that out of him. And it was really unfortunate to, to see that at the end of the game. But to get to your question about the two-point conversion, they were talking about that because we all saw what the Chargers did in their game and decided to be aggressive and go for the two-point conversion. I know McVay, if we were that fluid at that point, I have a feeling he would have probably gone for it yeah. because – me, personally, because I was so stressed out on the couch at that game, I told my wife, I was like, I, I just wanted to tie it so I could feel <laughs> comfortable. We could all like take a breather, everybody meditate for a second, and we'll go into overtime, and we'll get ourselves together. We're at home. You know, defense is looking a little bit better. Our O-line is looking a little, a little bit better. I personally wanted us to tie it so that I could just feel comfortable for a minute. But knowing the team and McVay, I assume that they would have probably uh, gone for two on it. And I kind of forgot what your question was at this point. I hope I answered it. Yeah, that was that was the question. Would they have gone for it? <laughs> what was your thought on it? So you did a great Not job great. with it. Yeah, that was a great bare answer. Uh, long-winded, and we got there at least. But, yeah, I'm, I'm with you, uh, except for I'm not. You know, I, I, I'm with you on what you think they would have done for going for it. I, I agree with that, and I wanted that. You know, I wanted this thing to be over. Come back, steal it, let's get out of here. No more time because too much random crap was happening, and we were lucky enough to be there. So uh, if, you, if you get a chance to come back from that, go for the win. We just saw the Chargers do it and how much uh, you know that means for a team and then just getting that win, and I would have loved that. So, But that's, uh, that's all dreams for us. Never That, that didn't happen, man. Um, but we're going to move on with this, and we're going to finish the show, as we always do, with our game balls and our play-action balls. So as the guest... You know the deal. You lead it off. Let's talk game balls. Who you got? Well, you know, with the two touchdowns and all the yardage, I have to naturally. I don't know how many he has now. They're really stockpiling up here. So, Todd Gurley, if you need to come down to the Rams podcast studio down in San Clemente and pick up all your game balls for the season from both Locked on Rams and Rams podcast, (laughs) DM me, brah. But, you know, Todd Gurley is Mr. Reliable. He was receiving the ball well. We had a major shift from what we saw in the Bears game, and we actually fed Gurley a lot in this game, and he showed it with the yardage and the two touchdowns. So naturally, I'm going to give my game ball to the man, Mr. Todd Gurley, uh, of course. And I hate to – I hope you weren't going with there. I, I, I maybe assuming <laughs> that you would pick him. That you knew I would pick him. Hey, so. man. No, you're good. That's why you lead it off, man. The guest of the show, the man with the Kroger, gets what he wants. Mike Kroger gets what Mike Kroger wants. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and you didn't take my guy. I, I'm. Uh, we talked about him earlier in the show. John Johnson the third. I mean, John Johnson the third. Four, Fourteen yes. total tackles, eleven solo. I'm gonna have to go look that up later and see if that's career highs for him because that's a lot of tackles. Uh, he was four ahead of the next guy, which was Corey Littleton. He had the pass deflect in the end zone where you know it was basically a, a catch and it was gonna be a touchdown, and he gets in there and breaks it up and. Uh, took took that on aggressively as well, and then just comes up and makes tackles in the run game. He's fun to watch uh, up there at the line making plays, and uh, you can tell his effort. Then he almost had an interception at the end of the game that would have totally yep. not involved that punt that JoJo had to deal with. I think it was on a second or third down throw. Maybe I think it was a second down throw, but uh, just missed it. Kind of his momentum was taking him over the ball, but oh, off the tip, and that would have been great. Right in nice field position. Uh, didn't go the way, but John Johnson played like animal today, and it was awesome to watch. He was fun, uh, and you tweeted it out. He was one of the best guys we have in the secondary, and I totally agree with you. And for that, you get my game ball, John Johnson. So let's flip it, man. You know the other side of this coin, and that is the play-action ball. And for you new listeners, that is basically a fake game ball. You get it? No, you don't. You get it? No, you don't. Get the heck out of here. 
Uh, James, <laughs> who you got? Well, I think this is, uh, you knew it before we started the show, I think, and this is another obvious pick, but I am going to go with the smallest player in the NFL, JoJo Natson, gets my game ball, because, dude, you, this is Bears' term, deflated the game for us. You deflated the mo- the momentum, and really, you know, that would have been beautiful if you would have just called a fair catch and we would have had the ball right there with plenty of time left, enough time for this offense to get down the field and tie and or win the game. So, JoJo Natson, man, you made my stomach churn tonight. You made my heart hurt. You made me grab an extra beer before the podcast. <laughs> so, JoJo Natson, I'm sorry, brother, but you got my play-action ball big time tonight. Yeah, JoJo's been a part of Game Balls, and it was not his night. And, and we were texting, and I told you, that's probably the play-action ball of the year on one play. Yeah. And uh, it was, man, you're right, deflating in, indeed. But, hey, uh, that's what happens. JoJo's got to bounce back. I don't think it's an instant reaction where we pull him and we put somebody else that's the first drop. And actually, you know, like I said, we, he's been on the Game Ball side of this, and he's had a, a pretty good uh, season so far. But a uh, terrible situation. And... Uh, play action ball worthy. So what I'm going to do here is take mine. And this guy usually gets a lot of game balls from Mr. James Kroger. And you know what? Let Todd know uh, when he's down here, he can pick up your play action ball and bring it back to you. This is going to Jared Goff, uh, 35 of 54. Mm-hmm. We talked about the yardage. Oh, yay. 339 yards, uh, zero touchdowns, two interceptions, one, which I'm not terribly mad at. Maybe it was misplaced, but Reynolds has got to help him out there. But two interceptions. Uh, he takes one sack. Pass rating is 66.8. It looks like QBR. I think I'm looking yeah. on ESPN here. And, uh, yeah, there was – I just overall looked uncomfortable. They showed it. We yep. talked about it. Uh, his feet were kind of flopping around. I mean, he had pressure in his face a lot. Our O-line's got to give him better pressure earlier in the game. You mentioned it in the second half and, and in that fourth quarter. He was actually getting some time, but we had a, a momentum going mm-hmm. that I think we were getting their defense tired with. But – Overall, uh, the yardage doesn't do much for me. you got to produce with some accurate throws. He had uh, another touchdown catch that he just missed through to Everett where he probably should have just let him over the top. He threw it behind him. Oh, yes, um, yeah. And then it was followed by another that bad throw me. after that. So uh, he put a couple in a row where, you know, really he could have delivered points for us, and instead his inaccuracy, you know, brought us to a next play, which, you know, wasn't very good at that point either. So – uh, Jared Goff, man, we need to see better. It's three games in a row. I know uh, you're allowed to have bad mm-hmm, games, but mm-hmm. we're getting to crunch time. The nice thing, and I mentioned earlier, is we've got a couple really nice matchups coming up, the Niners and the Cardinals. So hopefully with the Cardinals starting next week is we're able to kind of get our offense going because we see that Jared Goff can put yards up, but move the ball vertically down the field. I think we were 0 for 3 or 4 because I know we had a couple late ones of 20 yards or more down the field. You mentioned it, no big plays. Uh, and that's our offense. So if our offense isn't hitting big plays, our defense is going to give up points. They're going to make a few. But, um, yeah, we got to put up points. 23, not good. First back-to-back loss in the McVay era. Uh, not a pretty game, but you know what? It's the NFL. We turn the page. We move forward. Yeah, dude, I like your your play-action ball there. I totally agree. My boy, 
Jared Goff was a major fail. And, dude, he just he's just a different guy now. Like, if you notice, he's been throwing off his back foot uh, probably the last three games. And he just was lacking the concentration. At one point, I was chatting my wife, and I was like, Goff is, looks like a stoned Ryan Goslin right now. <laughs> he just is like, you know, Ryan Goff out there just – he just – I don't know I don't know what's what's changed with this guy. I don't know if it's the, yeah. the O-line or, you know, being in Chicago messed him up, the loss of Cooper Cup. He's just – he's playing horribly. And it's kind of really thrown down the mojo of this whole team. I saw a tweet from your guy, Vincent Bensignor, who comes on your show once a week. He said the Rams locker room is as quiet he's, as he's ever mm. heard it. Mm. Uh, and I was about 30 minutes ago right after the game because Bear and I were recording directly after the game. But, yeah, dude, Jared Goff is a huge part of this. And then we just see the trickle-down effect of everything uh, because of that. And then we've got the other things happening like – Todd Gurley, his knee bothering him, is going to be a long-term issue that you and I should get into a little bit deeper on Rams podcast tomorrow because it was pretty bothersome that one he was out a little bit too often and kept coming out, and then you know we talk about our depth there. Malcolm Brown bringing out uh, Davis having a shoulder issue. It's it's getting a little, a little alarming, and I can't wait to dig into that deeper with you tomorrow uh, on Rams podcast. But yeah, man, I love your play action ball with Jared Goff. He just he wasn't himself. My wife, of course. Had him on fantasy, Ouch. and uh, that was a recommendation from old Kroger. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, I uh, I'm hurting from, I'm hurting from all angles here. Yeah, I love how your team's in the championship. You're the worst advice giver ever, but somehow your team <laughs> is in the championship. But congratulations yeah. on that. Uh, you're right. We're gonna dive a little bit deeper because we're about 35 minutes into this episode, and we've got so much more we could talk. We could talk for another hour. So we're gonna do this again tomorrow here on Lockdown Rams Tuesday, but also on Rams Podcast, which will probably drop Wednesday, Thursday. Uh, be on the lookout for that. But James, thanks so much for coming on. You know what it is, Rams Nation. Until next time, peace. Hey, Locked On listeners, you already love our network of NFL shows, so why go anywhere else for the fantasy football information you need to know for the 2020 season? You just need to check out Locked On Fantasy Football, hosted by me, Vinny Iyer. We're counting down to the season by breaking down players and teams every day. It's no-nonsense, straight-to-the-point, smart fantasy football analysis that has only two goals in mind, helping you dominate your drafts and win your league championship. That's Locked On Fantasy Football, only on the Locked On Network.